0: Good morning, church. How we doing? How we doing? Come on, give me a little love this morning. All right, everybody here and paying attention. We good. We glad to be in church this morning. I hope so. Uh, My name is Matt. I'm the campus pastor at our Greenwood campus. So welcome to our Greenwood campus. Uh, If you're watching us live online, welcome to you as well. Saw some friends this morning, my friends Jeff and Latanya over here to my right. Good morning to you guys. Hey, my friend Petra is watching online from Europe this morning. Uh, a little, uh, just a little nugget about our friend Petra. So you saw uh, Mikey Good uh, lead us in worship this morning. Uh, Mikey Good is—he's uh, uh, famous. He doesn't want me to tell you that. Uh, but he is—he uh, and his wife. Uh, do some awesome things online. They have a killer podcast about cooking and crock pots. Uh, he didn't pay me to say that. But the reason I do say that is that our friend Mikey is the one who invited our friend Petra to join us online. And so uh, I'm grateful that we are able to reach throughout the world today uh, and in our communities where people might be sick or still in their jammies at home. We're glad you're watching us too. And uh, But hey, welcome to church this weekend. We're doing an espresso shot. We just finished up a series last week called gener- uh, To Be Generous. Sorry, Be Generous. And uh, Danny led us through some awesome ideas about how we can build a new vision of what generosity looks like in our lives. And hopefully, hopefully you're doing that. And we're going to build on that today because we're going to be talking about gratitude today. We're going to talk about the idea of gratitude. And what we're going to do is we're going to build a bridge between generosity and what we're working on for Christmas. And it's going to be real good. You're going to want to invite your friends to our Christmas series. So Danny's taking the week this week. He's been working hard on what we're going to work on for Christmas. And so uh, I hope that you'll invite your friends, your family, especially those people in your lives that might come to church once a year and may have written off church as irrelevant or boring or have a no impact in their lives. We hope that you'll be continuing to relentlessly pursue those folks this season because uh, we've got some, some cool stuff planned. Now, today we're doing an experiment. We're doing a little experiment. If you open your notes today, some of you are already sweating because there aren't notes for you to fill in blanks. Uh, it's part of an experiment that we're doing this week. No, we did, didn't give the uh, communications team the week off. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. So, during our talk today, uh, I'm just going to ask that as God brings something to mind for you, I just want you to write it down. So we're going to talk about the idea of gratitude. And here's, he, come on, be honest with me here. Our minds tend to drift from time to time, right? When we're listening to a talk, especially when all the words are in front of us, I see some no shaking of heads over there. He's nervous there aren't notes this week. Uh, but here's the deal. Our mind tends to drift sometimes. That's just normal. And so rather than our minds drifting towards an egg McMuffin with a folded egg after church, uh, maybe we let them drift toward gratitude. And so as God brings people to mind, maybe as, uh, as we work through our talk today, or maybe he brings something, whether it's little or big, to mind, I just want to ask you to write that down. Okay? Write that down because we're going to do an experiment with your notes this week uh, when we're done today. So uh, we're doing an experiment. The first part, the first part, I'm going to set you up, the first part. I told you just to, to write down things that come to mind, but I'm actually going to give you the first thing to write down. Is that All right. So the first thing I want you to do is I want to let your mind drift towards something that frustrates you. Maybe it's something that's going on in your life right now that's not going the way that you planned or something that's bothering you, uh, something that just really gets at you. The top of your notes this week, I want you to write down that thing, whatever it is. Just write down that thing that's not going right. Now, if I'm honest with you up here, uh, I'll tell you, everything in my life's going perfectly. So I got nothing. No, I'm kidding. I'm not I'm kidding totally. If I were to write something on the top of my page, which I am writing something on the top of my page this week, I want to show you what, what I'm going to write down. You see, this is a picture uh, of my house. This is a picture of my house. And uh, my wife and I, we bought this house about a year ago. It's a cute little house, it's great, plenty of room for our family. And you see, we looked at this house on a Saturday, and uh, it, it was, you know, the, the real estate market's kind of crazy. So we looked at it on a Saturday. So then Monday morning, I looked at Bill and Greg, our campus pastors at Franklin and Banta, and I said, guys, look, your former contractors. Why don't you come to this house with me? It needs some updates, and I'm just curious what you think. So we brought them in on Monday after lunch, and uh, we kind of stood in this little living room right here, and I started pointing out ideas that I had about a wall here or a wall there. And Bill and Greg both looked at me, and they said, Matt, you you got to do this, man. This house is right priced. You just, you put a full price offer down and here's what you do. You can do everything you need to do with the budget that you got. They lied. No, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Bill and Greg, if you're watching, listen, our guys, Bill and Greg have been excellent help to us along the way. Uh, they, they, the price point thing, whatever. But anyways, <laughs> they were right that we could do the work. But if I'm writing down something at the top of my page this week, I'm probably going to put a picture of this. You see, this is the current state of my house eight months later. So eight months after we knocked a hole in the first piece of drywall and took geez, took a picture behind that hole of drywall, this is where we are. Now listen, we've saved thousands of dollars doing lots of work ourselves, and we've learned lots of lessons along the way. Uh, but sometimes it's kind of frustrating that, I, uh, that my living room, my dining room, and my bedroom are all the same thing. Uh, at least until Christmas. At least until Christmas. Because you see... When things like this happen, when things don't go exactly according to plan and timing, everything's going well, don't worry about me. Uh, But when things don't go exactly the way we plan, we tend to get frustrated. In fact, we get frustrated to where probably our, our mind and hopefully the spirit that came to mind for you when you wrote something down at the top of the page looks a little more like this picture. Because a lot of times we walk around with those things in our craw, right? Or just that chip on our shoulder about something that's not going right. And those actually have negative consequences in our lives. You see that thing that you wrote down at the top, or if me, if I'm writing down the picture of my house at the top of that page eight months later, I probably, I probably don't react the same way when that frustration's on my mind that I would when it's not. Or that discontent that things just aren't done, though especially the way that I want them. And this idea that, that we walk around with these frustrations is, is normal as humans, and we'll get to that a little later in our talk. Um, but this idea of carrying that frustration is, well, it can keep us from a spirit of gratitude. And you know, this story, uh, there's a story of this in scripture that speaks to kind of this idea, probably related to what you wrote down there. Now, here's my encouragement to you the rest of the stuff we're going to write down is going to be good, okay? So don't stop writing all the frustrating stuff. Some of you are still writing, you're just writing a paragraph. Like that girl at work, you know, I know what you're doing. Uh, but I want to look at a story in scripture, and it's way early in the Old Testament. It's about the Exodus, okay? So Moses, uh, leader of the Israelites, has led his people out of slavery from Egypt. Uh, they're into the wilderness at this point. Now, now let me just tell you that every single day, the Israelites are eating what's called manna, which is literally food from heaven that just drops to fill their bellies, okay? It's heavenly food. Their bellies are full. But they're still a little bit frustrated. They're still a little bit frustrated. I want to look in the books of Exodus to see what it is that they say. In Exodus chapter 16, they get to the point where they say, Oh, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. You see, what had happened in this time is that the group of Israelites had started remembering some of the good foods they were eating back in Egypt— And they lost a little bit of sight of what God had already been doing. They even wished that God had killed them back in slavery, or at least let them stay in slavery. Yeah, yeah, you know, the the fact that we were just certain to die and, you know, whatever, generations of slavery, no big deal. I want a ribeye. That's basically what they were saying here. But this, this continual spirit of discontent is something that we fight today, is it not? So that's what we're going to unpack a little bit today. How do we get our minds shifted towards gratitude? Because what happened to the Israelites is exactly what happens to us. And I think it deals with our focus. And so for some of you that are a little OCD with me, you might want to draw a horizontal line across your notes right now, because I'm going to say something that you might want to write down. Here's what I believe that we need to know about gratitude. That our level of gratitude is determined, directly defined by our focus. 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 Just write down the word focus right there. Because here's what the Israelites did. They lost their focus on what God had done in their lives, had delivered them from generations of slavery. So the next note this week is I think that gratitude comes from focusing on God. Gratitude comes from focusing on God. And I want to look at a passage in the the book of James uh, in the New Testament. Because this idea that we have this kind of continual discontent in our lives, maybe for you, maybe this is because you stood in line to buy some stuff that you didn't need with money you don't have for some reason to impress people that you don't like over the last four or five days or all of you did your shopping online and now you're just broke. But this continual discontent in our lives, the fact that we just got to fill up with more stuff, it removes our focus. And if we want gratitude to be the hallmark of our lives, and Danny said, Danny said in the previous series, he said that he didn't believe that there was a, that there was a, a wealth of uh, generosity in the lives of people that call themselves Christ followers. I also believe that there isn't a wealth of Christ followers out there that have gratitude as a defining factor of their lives. And the book of James tells us why. Here's what James says. He says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. The first thing he says is that there is a path that you are being led down. It is wrong. Do not be misled. There is another way. He says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to, us, say it with me, from God, our Father. He goes on to say this, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. What James says is that in his day, in the day in which the first followers of Jesus were trying to figure it all out, they were in the exact same position that the followers of God were, as they were led out of Egypt. They were being misled by what they didn't have. How many of you were here in the last series and you saw Danny Carrier around a basket the last talk that we did, right? He talked about the idea that if, if we exercise generosity the way that God expects us to, with our hands open, that God will fill our basket so full that it will be overflowing. You see, most of us have a basket in our hands, and we're so focused on the little bit that's not there well, I got that TV and it was struck by lightning and only, only one of those ports work, but, but there's a 65-inch 4K LED HDR TV that's on sale. We focus on these little things that are not in our basket, all the while refusing to look down and realize our baskets are already full. And what James is saying here is, is that's one way to go, but listen, everything you already have is a direct gift from God. Every single thing that's in your basket right now is a direct gift from God. You did not earn it. And what James says is there's a few things that we have to know about God. Is that yes, everything we have is a gift directly from him. Secondly, that it comes from someone who has our best interests at heart. You see, we have to believe that God has our best interests at heart all the time. And lastly, we have to believe what he gives us in in description here. This is a God who created it all and who never changes. So if those things are true, we can't help, but when we focus on God and what he provides for us day in and day out, we cannot help but see our gratitude grow in our lives. So we focus on God, that's where we start. But how do we keep the spirit of gratitude going? Well, I think that we grow our gratitude in something important. I think we grow our gratitude in humility and imperfection. So for you OCD folks, just write the word humility at the top of that box. Draw that line if you need need to. I believe we grow our gratitude in humility and imperfection. And let me tell you what I mean here. I'm going to tell you two stories, one of which makes me look terrible and one of which makes me look like a hero. Both are true. But the first story I want to tell you is is that when uh, my wife and I had been married for a little while, Uh, The job that I uh, was able to do previous to coming on board here at Emanuel, it just one of the perks that it allowed me to do was to experience sporting events and different kinds of events uh, as part of entertaining uh, people that we worked with. So, and now when we we went to those events, uh, we usually had pretty good seats, okay? So, like 10th row, 13th row, like we were, I mean, it was living the high life and it was crazy. But when my wife and I had been married a few years, She decided for my birthday one year that she was going to get me Pacers tickets. I'm a Pacers fan. I'm a homeboy. I like all my hometown teams. And so she decided to surprise me with Pacers tickets. Now, she bought those Pacers tickets on our home budget. Keep that in mind. So we go to the Pacers game, and I'm the kind of guy I like to get there early, right? I like to prepare to tear up for the national anthem. You know what I mean? (laughs) So we get to the game, and we walk to our seats, and we go up the stairs to walk to our seats, and then we go up the stairs, and then we walk up the escalator, and then to the other escalator, and we go up... So we get to our seats in the balcony. They weren't that bad. But then we get to our seats in the balcony, and we sit down, and I'm just kind of surveying Banker's Life Fieldhouse. And what do you think the first thing that I did was? You see, I got my big pointer finger out, and I pointed down to those seats I had last time. And I said, man, when I came to the game with Phil last time, we sat like right there in the 13th row. It was awesome. And then I looked at my wife, and I crushed her spirit. I crushed it. I crushed the moment of surprise in which she gifted me the tickets. I crushed the idea that uh, we're both on the same page. We're hashtag financial peace people. And so it's hard to spend money in our house without both of us knowing it. And she had gone completely out of her way to do something sweet for me. And I crushed it in a minute just by pointing to how imperfect it was. Now, I wasn't doing it intentionally to be a jerk, but the impact was still the same. You see what I'm saying? And I think it's because of something that John Ortberg says. You see, when I was doing my homework for this idea of gratitude, I came across a talk uh, by John Ortberg. He's a pastor on the West Coast, and he did some incredible work on gratitude. And some of the ideas we're unpacking today that he, uh, that he leverages as well. But one of the things he says in that talk is powerful and points to exactly the way that I reacted. He says, as a sinful human race, we are naturally entitled. Can I have some sort of amen from the crowd this morning? All right, that's hard to amen about ourselves, being something wrong. But we are naturally entitled as a human race. And In that moment where my wife had done something sweet, I just kind of felt like it was my duty to remind her of an experience she wasn't part of and that was better than the gift that she provided. I don't know why I did that. I'm a man. That's part of it, I guess. But what happens if we flip that? Like, what happens if we look at things that don't go perfectly or are the absolute best of our expectations? What happens when we respond with with humility in that moment or maybe with a little bit of gratitude? And there's a woman named Debbie McDaniel, and she wrote a blog post called The Power of Gratitude at Crosswalk.com. And so you can write down Crosswalk.com or her name, Debbie McDaniel, if you want to look it up. It's really good stuff and additional material for today. Here's what she said when our response looks like gratitude. She says a heart of gratitude leaves no room for complaining. For it is impossible to be truly thankful and filled with negativity and ungratefulness at the same time. You see what Debbie's saying here is, is it's it's almost like a balance, right? So you cannot be fully grateful and critical and ungrateful at the same time. The same is true in the opposite way. You cannot be super critical and ungrateful and filled with negativity, and also have gratitude. Does that make sense? So shifting that balance is what this is all about. And when we do this right, when we focus on God, we start to build it, right? We start to build a spirit of gratitude to realize that, man, when I wake up in the morning, the fact that I can run a whole water heater uh, full of hot water, I can run that sucker cold if I want to, I think in the shower. Just throwing that out there. I can do that. Like, that, that's something I can be grateful for. And so right now, here's here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to write in your notes something that you're grateful for. I want you to write down something that comes to mind. What does God bring to mind for you right now? Something that you're grateful for. I told you I was going to tell you two stories. Because see, the first one made me look kind of like an idiot. Like just poor husband, insert here. But the second story... Is a little bit better, and it was natural, and I'll tell you anyway, even though it's kind of like pat myself on the back. You see, when my wife and I were dating, uh, uh, we came upon a Valentine's Day, and we, in our house, we don't really do Valentine's Day very big. My birthday's early February, hers is October. Christmas is in the middle; we're kind of done with stuff by then. And so we come to Valentine's Day, and again, my wife—well, what was my wife? My girlfriend at the time thought she would be extra sweet and do something uh, very, very nice. Now the Israelites received manna from heaven, not real sure what that was, Uh, but if I'm envisioning that, it's probably chocolate-covered strawberries. (laughs) And so for this Valentine's Day, she invited me over to her house and said, hey, we're just going to hang out, no big deal. And so I come in the front door, and she had prepared kind of like a little inside picnic. So like right in the middle of the living room, there were a couple of blankets laid down. It was just a picnic. Calm down. Calm down. Just a picnic, (laughs) students. So laid down a couple of blankets, and she's working in the kitchen. And so uh, I Okay, what's going on here? So she said, hey, just go hang out. Go hang out. Uh, I'm almost done. And so a couple minutes go by, and she comes into the room with kind of a little dejected look on her face, uh, a little frustrated look on her face. Uh, Here's what she had done. She had gone and made uh, homemade chocolate fondue and fresh strawberries from God knows where because it was in the winter. But she had made chocolate-covered strawberries for us to have a little picnic for Valentine's Day, the sweetest possible thing you could think of. Except for one little thing. You see, uh, she didn't have a double boiler for you chefs out there. And so when you try to heat up chocolate, like the difference between, all oh, right right, and ooh, mm, mm-mm, no, <laughs> is about four seconds in the microwave. Amen from anybody that knows what I'm talking about? And so my wife had barely burned the chocolate. So we had crunchy chocolate fondue. Now, in that moment, here's what happened. I was so blown away by the fact that she would go out of her way for me to do my, like, the favorite thing that for some reason you pay $14 a pound if you go somewhere to get. Like, she had gone out of her way to do chocolate-covered strawberries for me, and I ate burnt chocolate, (laughs) y'all. I sat down, and I'm like, this is amazing. And maybe it was the puppy love of dating, and I grew grumpy when I got married. I don't know. But... but in that moment, like I was dousing chocolate-covered strawberries and we were eating it. She was completely dejected because she, it wasn't perfect. Like she felt terrible. And in that moment, I didn't care. Like I didn't care at all. We sat and had a little chocolate-covered strawberry picnic right in the living room. Because this is what my heart looked like at the time. There was no room for complaining in my heart. She'd gone completely out of her way to surprise me. This is what it looks like in imperfection. And so I just asked you to write down something in which God has maybe brought to your mind that maybe you need to be grateful for. How about if we also do something important, which is maybe to write down something that's not going so well or isn't perfect, but that we need to be grateful for anyway to exercise some humility in. And usually that has something to do with the people in our lives and not some busted TV. So write that down in your notes right now. So when we focus on God, and then we use opportunities and imperfection to grow that gratitude, to exercise some humility, especially with the people around us, here's what happens to what gratitude does in our lives. I believe that gratitude leads to a life of blessing. A spirit of gratitude leads to a life of a whole bunch more blessings. For you OCD folks, draw that line and write the word blessings right there. I believe that it leads to blessing. And I think there are certain things that we can do to build a daily spirit of gratitude in our lives. And I think we can actually look right back at the story of the Israelites, their experience in the book of Exodus, go to the next book in Deuteronomy and figure out how they did it. You see, as Moses led his people and they began to understand what it looked like to have a spirit of gratitude towards what God had done for them, they instituted a bunch of practices uh, in their lives. And so the Israelites, they defined all these holidays to remind them of things that God had done. Uh, They celebrated the Passover routinely, those kind of things. But they also instituted a couple of things in their prayer life that helped them go with a spirit of gratitude every single day. The first thing is called the Shema. And it's something that uh, even Jewish people today know and know well. All of the disciples of Jesus, including Jesus uh, in that picture as well, would have practiced what's called the Shema every single day. They would have uh, pointed themselves toward the temple or have gone to the temple three times a day to pray this prayer. Here's what that prayer looked like it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Say this part with me Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And these ideas are not only found in Deuteronomy, you find them throughout Scripture, tons in Psalms and even in the New Testament as encouragements uh, to us in the way in which we are to pray. But what the Israelites did first and foremost is they instituted a daily routine of prayer. First, first to challenge themselves to be grateful to God, that he is the creator of all, and to serve him with heart, soul, and strength. And then on top of that, they would do something called the 18, which are the 18 benedictions. Benedictions, just a, we get it from the Latin word, which means good words. So, benedictions. Uh, good words. And so they would lift good words to God for all kinds of reasons. And they had 18 of them. I'm only going to show you a couple because I think it's important that we start to shift towards that in our own prayer life. Here's what the 18 benedictions look like. They always started with, blessed are you God. And then they would add to that. The rabbis would help them add to that, depending on the situations that were going on in their lives. And so they would say, blessed are you, God, who heals the sick. How many of you are grateful that God has designed in us a body that can overcome all kinds of sicknesses? Not all of them, but most of them. And if you're in this room today or you're watching online and you're not hacking up a lung, uh, you're healthy. Again, something to be grateful for in your notes this week. They would also have uh, more. So one of them would be, blessed are you, God, who is gracious and abundantly forgives. How many Christ followers out there uh, grateful for that, that we have a God who's full of grace and who abundantly forgives? Because I know I need a dump truck full of forgiveness every single day by the end of the day. Anybody else? Yeah? So they would build these benedictions into their lives. They would also pray this multiple times a day. they do it a whole extra time on the Sabbath just to remind them that everything they received was a gift from God. The roof over their head, even though it's not finished, the, the shower that's from 1974 and it leaks and is seven feet tall, which makes even me feel short. A blessing in itself altogether. Now, here's what John Ortberg says about these institutions, these, these daily practices they built into their lives. He says they were training for gratitude. They love doing this because the good life, or you could say the abundant life, involves, say it with me, Gratitude. And gratitude doesn't come when you get more stuff. That's the insane folly of our day. Gratitude comes when you see reality, that all benefits, all good and perfect things, come from a wonderful benefactor, of which I am the grace-given beneficiary. So when you focus on God as the source of our contentment. Danny talked about contentment last week as a first step towards generosity. When we focus on God first as a way to build a spirit of gratitude in our lives, and then we leverage that and grow it by how we see imperfections and how we see things that don't go our way, and we respond in humility. And then when we build daily practices in to make sure that we are continually focused on the little things that we are provided to be grateful for. Blessed are you, God, who provides a roof over my head. I want to show you a picture of what that looks like yeah, it's a little funny picture, but I want to show you what a picture of this looks like in a daily life when we wake up with gratitude as the foundation of our heart. Take a look. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, hey, Christine, hey. you're here too. Mm-hmm. I love you. I know. Dad. We got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! Ooh! I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! Ah, shoes! Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food! Mm, I love food! What? A, a, a food have work? Come on, what's to here. D, the, the what? Jack, be careful. Yeah. I have a car. Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car. Have a car! A car. <laughs> a car. <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. You're the best. My friend Greg Coble sent me that video. He said, another church put this together uh, when they were talking about this idea. You have to use it. So I listened to Greg. And here's the thing. I know that's a little bit funny, but what if that's how we woke up? I mean, seriously, what, what what if we woke up every day with gratitude on our heart? Those of us that are married, what if we rolled over and said, I'm alive. You're here too. I love you. My wife would also say, I know. Uh, (laughs) And for some reason, the funniest part of that video is like the guy at the end with a cup of coffee and he pokes a hole in it. (laughs) You know, like how many of you are grateful for coffee? Like, amen on that, right? I'm awake this morning. I don't know about you. So here's the deal. Right now, write something down. Maybe it's something goofy from that video that just strikes a chord with you to, to think that, man, that thing that I enjoy or that gift that I have is, wow, I didn't earn that. You see, the great folly of this world is that more stuff or we, by our own effort, can somehow fill those gaps and fill our basket with blessings. You see, the top of this this section was the idea that, that gratitude, a life of gratitude, leads to a life of blessing. Because when you wake up with a spirit of gratitude or you exercise it during the day, everything looks like a blessing because it is. So here's my question. Are you going to be a person of grumbling? as the Israelites were, receiving free food from heaven they didn't have to do anything for? Are we going to be a people with a spirit of gratitude? This week I told you we're doing an experiment. And here's the experiment. Here's the experiment. I want you to take these notes this week and do something practical with them. We just got out of a series called uh, Be Generous. The idea that generosity is something that we have to see a vision of in our minds uh, about the way in which God treats it when we give, treats us when we give, when we have open hands with what God has provided us with. Here's what I think about generosity and gratitude and how they go together. I believe that generosity is the currency of gratitude. I think generosity is the currency of gratitude. Here's what I mean by that. When you've got a high level of gratitude in your life, generosity is the way in which you pay that out. It's what you do with it in this world. And we have two ways in which you can jump in to generosity right now. Number one is to just do what we talked about in the last series, okay? So 600 people have showed up from all, across all three of our campuses to pack boxes of food for folks through Shepherd Community Center this season. That's amazing. But now we have another opportunity to get going. On Giving Tuesday, which is coming up two days from right now, uh, that's when everybody's broke but still decides they have stuff to give to anyway. Is there, that's a joke. Okay, all right. I won't use that one at 11:15. So, because uh, you're all broke, that's why it's funny. So, anyways, uh, no. Here's here's the thought. Giving Tuesday is when we take a whole day to focus on where can I be generous. We as a church, we're jumping in on that, and so our year-end giving is going to be part of that. So Tuesday, uh, even starting right now before Tuesday, I think we have the ability for you to jump in. And here's what I want you to do. We're gonna we're gonna raise forty thousand dollars to feed hundred thousand meals to our partners in the community and throughout the world this coming spring. We're gonna do something called Pack Away Hunger. And we're excited to do it, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna start right now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna raise 40 grand before the end of the year, between now and December 31st. Now, I don't know if any of you were listening to the announcements earlier, but the students alone at all three of our campuses raised $12,000 in three weeks. Y'all, we got five weeks. Yeah, that's definitely worth celebrating, holy cow. Uh, so I just want to do one of these. Thank you very much. Uh, for setting the standard of what generosity looks like practically. They went out of their way. They were creative in the way they did it. And so that's our challenge this week. I hope that you will jump in, that you will pay out of that spirit of gratitude, that you will be generous uh, out of a spirit of gratitude starting this week through our year-end giving. And maybe the last series challenged you to begin thinking about... A con- a con- a con- a regular gift to Emmanuel. And so if your family's still considering that, start there first because we've got big things that we're doing here as well. The second thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to build your own benedictions. Build your own benedictions this week. You wrote down things that you were grateful for, hopefully, uh, in your notes this week. And what I want you to do is to wrap a couple of those things into daily reminders of prayer. And here it is. Here it is. It's already written for you. Blessed are you, God, blank. Whatever it is that you wrote down that provides me Uh, with a job to go to to make money to support my family. Blessed are you, God, that provides me uh, a dryer in the middle of the winter to dry my clothes because I don't have to hang them outside. I don't know. Insert whatever it is that you're grateful for there and build those into your daily prayer life this week. Those are two very practical things that you can do. And for all of us here that have come to Jesus at some point in our lives, all of us that have wrestled with that decision and have made that decision in our lives, First and foremost, that decision is a decision of gratitude, believe it or not. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. And for those of us in the room and and maybe watching online that haven't yet made a decision to to trust Jesus with their lives, my challenge to you is to, to think through the lens of gratitude. And so one of the benedictions that we went through already earlier looked like this. It said, blessed are you God who is gracious and abundantly forgives. And as I said that out loud and asked for an amen, a lot of people, I saw some shaking heads. And, and it's because you know this to be true, that this is an exercise in gratitude. And the thing that we're thankful for is that God would give up his only son. Not just to come live here on this earth and teach us some good stuff about how life can work better for you and plug these things in and you'll be a better person. no, 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 no. He sent his son here to live among us to become one of us gave up nearly every single power he had in heaven to live alongside us. And he was murdered for it. And so today, if you're in a a moment in which you're wrestling with a decision about how to come to Jesus and and how to trust him with your life, to, to, to jump on board this thing called the abundant life, then I'm just gonna offer a moment of prayer. And as I offer that moment, my challenge to you is to to see that as as something that you can never earn, but that is a simple and free gift to receive. And for those of us who've already made this decision, I just, I want to challenge you to remember where you were in that moment in which you came to Jesus. And pray for the hearts of those that may make a decision today. And if you're ready, would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I come to you today broken. I know that you've filled my basket with so many things that that I really am not the source of. I haven't earned those on my own, that those have been provided to me. And yet here I am and have wasted them or wasted opportunities to do what you call me to do or have sinned against you and against the people around me. So Jesus, today I come grateful that you gave me a path to live alongside you, that you created a way in which I can come back to God. So right now, I I offer up my heart in the purest way that I can to say thank you, that I am grateful that you provide grace and forgiveness. Jesus, forgive me for I have wronged you and for I have wronged those around me. Wash me as white as snow. And from this moment on, I trust you. So I ask that you help walk alongside me. Help me to learn and find a way to obey your teachings. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you today. That's in your name I pray. Amen. If today is a day that you've wrestled with for a long time. And, and today might've been the day in which you've said, okay, I give in. And you've made that decision for Jesus. What I wanna do is just to echo a tiny little bit of what we are told in the scripture about what goes on in heaven and that there's literally a celebration every single time a follower of Jesus begins a relationship. And so let's join that party that's going on in heaven for all of those that have made decisions today. And if you've made a decision today, whether you've made that decision online or whether you've made it live here in our auditorium, I just want to tell you that we love, we love to exercise a little bit of gratitude for that hard and difficult decision that you have made. And we want to put a gift in your hands to start that process. It's called a one-year New Testament. And what we know as believers is that, man, we got to dig into this stuff because Jesus has so much more to say about who I am and where I can find my security and how to walk this life in a way that leads to things that I don't even know are possible yet. And so we want to put one of these in your hands. So if you'll go to the back corners of our auditorium, we have a team there that would love to receive you. Put one of these in your hand. And listen, maybe maybe today you didn't make a decision for Jesus. Maybe you're still wrestling with it. Maybe you've got some tough questions that you've been wrestling with for a long time. And guess what? That's okay. If you're joining us in any capacity and you're wrestling with a decision and not yet ready to make it, that's okay. You have a seat here every single time that you want it. You are welcome at this church. But my challenge to you is the same. Come see our folks at the starting point tables because we have an environment that is tailor made for those of you who are just asking the tough questions, things that are hard to unpack in 30 minute segments here in our stage. They're gonna tell you about starting point. It's four weeks, it's a conversational environment. You can work through those tough questions that you have, even if you're not ready to make a decision for Jesus. So I hope that you'll go back and see our friends there. And if you're watching online, Click the link that we've provided for you and we'll send you a one-year testament in the mail and connect you to this church. Are you grateful to be in a place today where we can worship, where we can lift up praise and we can get challenged in the way that we live this life? If you're grateful, let me hear you. I'm going to walk in the garage door of a house that's not done yet. You're gonna walk out of these doors and right back into the frustration that you wrote down at the top of the page. Don't focus on it. My guess is you wrote 10 to 1 the things we should be grateful for and how we should focus on God. Don't focus on the 1 this week, focus on the 10. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you grateful as a people, first and foremost, that you give us a reason to be here for your son, Jesus Christ. So as we approach a season in which we look at the incredible miracle of your birth, and we're showered from all around us about what we don't have and what we don't earn and what's not in our driveway and what house isn't done, I just ask that you challenge us to focus on you. You provide a thousand blessings to every one frustration that we feel. And so we thank you for those. And I challenge you to help us thank you every single day for those this week. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, bring lots of friends for the Christmas series. You are not gonna wanna miss it.